I've worked really hard to a get clear on what I wanted because I think that certainly after eight years in corporate and having lived that if you will traditional life I wasn't actually that sure what I wanted so it took me a little bit of time to figure out what I wanted my life to look like so there's a bit of lifestyle design there first and I think that's what led me initially to set up the e-commerce business because I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I was very clear on that bit and I hadn't necessarily thought about the lifestyle side of things. And then once you have your own businesses, I'm sure you can relate to sometimes it's easier said than done to then, you know, if you say that you don't want to work very many hours to actually stick to that. So it's definitely a work in progress. But one of the things that I am very keen on is to make sure that I have a good balance in my life. So welcome to the Joypreneur podcast. I'm Melanie Kovac, your host, and this podcast is about joypreneurs and how they explore and find joy, purpose and profit, and then build a business and life around that. What joypreneurs have in common is that while exploring, they reflect, learn and express themselves. And then they find their own definition of what success and freedom feels like and looks like for them. If you want to find more clarity and choose the path that suits you, head over to melaniekovac.com quiz and find out what type of entrepreneur you are. So today I'm talking with Sophie Forn. She's a business strategist and serial entrepreneur based in the UK. She describes herself as a recovering workaholic and set herself a goal last year to work only 30 hours per week. She shares with us how she builds the company around the life she wants and not the other way around. So avoiding to be a slave to her own business. We talk about why she sold her first business and why she works out every single day. She shares with us the mistakes she made and sees in others about wanting to make passive income and following shiny object syndrome. And last but not least, we talk about why lifestyle businesses have a bad reputation. So if you're curious about lifestyle design and how data and discipline can lead to more freedom, join us. Welcome, Sophie. I'm excited to have you on the podcast. I'm so delighted to be here. Thanks, Melanie. What is it like to be you today? What is it like to be me today? I'm feeling very tired today. I have I bought an aura ring recently, which is tracking my sleep. And yesterday I didn't get very much REM sleep. I don't know that much about sleep, but I have started to notice a pattern that if I don't get enough REM sleep, I'm feeling a bit tired. So today's a bit of a slower day for me. Hmm. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. <laughs> I'm actually also having a, a slower day today. I got back from a retreat over the weekend mm. and I, it was until yesterday. And so also like the switch from being to doing like take some time. So today is also a bit slow for me. We can have slow days together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love that in our busy world, especially. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you're an entrepreneur and you probably don't want to get a job. But if you had to get a job, like, and you could choose whatever job and whatever role, and you would just get it, 
what kind of job and role would you choose? And maybe even the company name if, if you have one. Okay, so I don't know if this is cheating, but the role would definitely be CEO or COO. I'm not sure I could, I could have too many people above me. And if I could have any job, one thing I've always wanted to do is to run a Formula One team, which is a bit of a random, <laughs> bit of a random answer. But I, I really like sport and I particularly like football, Formula One, and my husband and I watch a lot of tennis as well. That's more him. But And I'm just so fascinated by Formula One and the fast cars and all of the things. I would love to run a Formula One team if I could have any job. Wow, that's uh, amazing. It's been uh, random, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, Sophie. Sure. So I'm a serial entrepreneur and my official job title, if you will, is a business strategist. And I help women make that shift from solopreneur to CEO so that they can scale and, and grow their business with ease and with freedom. So I work predominantly with female entrepreneurs. I do have a few rogue male clients, but I work predominantly with female entrepreneurs looking to streamline their strategy, to create scalable systems and to develop a CEO mindset. So after working in corporate for eight years, I decided to set up scale and then subsequently exit a successful e-commerce business. And I very much learned what works and what really doesn't work in the process. And that led me to create my current business, which is a multiple six-figure service-based business with several revenue streams, which aside from in 2020, allows me to work from anywhere, travel the world and, and sort of run my business on my own terms. So I really feel like I've sort of come full circle in combining my corporate experience and my previous experience as an entrepreneur together to help others to do the same. That sounds uh, really interesting. I want to go into more detail in a bit. So one thing that I heard is the, the e-commerce business that you started after your corporate job and scaled and then exited. Can you share a bit why you exited the company in the end? Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. So a couple of things. The first was as a product-based business, it was very capital heavy. So in order to scale it to the kind of size that I wanted to scale it to, because I wanted to run a, a significant business, personally, I'm not saying there's any right or wrong, but that's personally what my goals were. It needed a lot of capital. So I had bootstrapped the business to start with and invested the capital by myself. And I sort of reached a crossroads, if you will, where I needed to decide whether I wanted to put in more personal investment or whether I wanted to get external investment and the consequences, if you will, and, and uh, what that meant for me as a person and what it meant for my business. So that that was kind of on the one hand, part of my decision making process. On the other hand was a lifestyle piece, which I kind of alluded to, as I told you a little bit about my current business, in that having a product based business, even if it's heavily outsourced, which uh, by the time I exited mine was, and, and even if it's got um, lots of systems and processes in place, does require a degree of 
time and effort that given the life I was trying to build and what I was looking to get out of life didn't really suit me. So it wasn't as easy to travel the world whilst running my e-commerce business. It wasn't as easy to uh, pick my own work schedule, etc. because there were so many other people that relied on me. So the combination of the fact that effectively the business needed more money to grow and that after two or three years running it, I realized that maybe it didn't quite align with the lifestyle that I was looking to build, led me to look at alternatives, uh, both in terms of, you know, what I did with that business and, and what I wanted to do in terms of next steps. Interesting. And how you said a lot of people depended on you. How many people were you in the team or like in all involved? So I actually didn't employ anyone full time. So I worked with a team of freelancers. So when I talk about people depending on me, it was the designers or the factory or the co-packers that put the orders together. So what I the way that I had built this particular product based business meant that there was I guess, a process that sat behind every order or a process that sat behind every collection that needed to be designed that meant that if I didn't get back as the CEO, as the founder, if I didn't get back in a timely fashion, it meant that everything sort of stopped. And so that's what I meant by people sort of depending on me. And as a result, it made it very difficult to, as I said, sort of pick and choose how I spent my time. Mm, yeah, I see. Tell us a bit about your lifestyle then, like how does it look these days and how is it different the, the way you run your business maybe compared to the e-commerce business? Yeah, I love that question. So I've worked really hard to A, get clear on what I wanted, because I think that certainly after eight years in corporate and having lived that, if you will, traditional life, I wasn't actually that sure what I wanted. So it took me a little bit of time to figure out what I wanted my life to look like. So there was a bit of lifestyle design there first. And I think that's what led me initially to set up the e-commerce business because I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I was very clear on that bit and I hadn't necessarily thought about the lifestyle side of things. And then once you have your own business, as I'm sure you can relate to, sometimes it's easier said than done to then you know, if you say that you don't want to work very many hours to actually stick to that. So it's definitely a work in progress. But one of the things that I am very keen on is to make sure that I have a good balance in my life so that absolutely my business and my clients and my work is very important to me. And for me personally, it's part of my identity. And I don't see that necessarily as an a negative thing I have other things that are also part of my identity so me as a woman and all the things that I need me as a wife or me as a sister or me as a friend or me as a daughter or whatever it is and so finding that balance has been really really important to me so what that looks like in practice is I have very very fixed working hours so I work 10 a.m to 5 p.m Monday to Friday with an hour for lunch and I really do take my lunch break and I very rarely work weekends in fact I you know looking at this year I can probably count on one hand we're, we're filming this in mid-October I can count on one hand how many times I've worked a weekend and I'm very strict about holidays you know taking time off taking long weekends taking time off so I think the, the the starting point for me was around kind of how many working hours I I worked in order to make sure that I then had time to do other things and then those other things looks like plenty of time for myself for my body so I'm very I 
I'm, I was going to say I'm keen on exercise. I'm not sure I'm that keen on exercise, but it's very good for my mental health. So I do it from a mental health perspective rather than because I love it. So the reason, for example, I start my day at 10 a.m. is because I work out um, between 8 and 9 every morning without fail and then use between 9 and 10 to get ready for the day and shower and put on my makeup and all of those types of things. And part of the reason I finish at 5 p.m. is I always end my day with a short yoga practice. So there are certain things like that that really bookend my days that are really important and then whilst this sounds very odd to talk about in 2020 because most of us haven't really been traveling at all I it's really important to me to travel so my sister lives in New York my brother lives in Tbilisi in Georgia my grandmother who I'm incredibly close to lives in Nassau in the Bahamas and my parents live in Spain. So just looking at just my family, they all live in different countries. And if I just want to see my siblings or my parents or my grandmother, I have to get on a plane. So that was part of what actually started the process of exiting my e-commerce business. My grandfather passed away and I realized, A, that I want to spend more time with my grandmother because obviously we have to be aware of, of people's age and, and what that means. And I have really embraced over the past two, two and a half years, the travel. And actually when COVID hit, my husband and I decided to leave London and jump straight on a plane to the Bahamas where we lived for six months in an apartment just underneath my grandmother's apartment that we rented. And it was just the most amazing six months. And I really am grateful for my business, you know, despite obviously the, the difficult time that people have had in 2020, I'm really grateful for my business for giving me that kind of freedom and flexibility. So in terms of you know building that life and allowing me to travel or allowing me to work out in the mornings or allowing me to I don't know read my book in the middle of the day those things are really 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 important to me and I have worked really hard as I've built this business to ensure that I'm sort of building the business around the life that I want rather than having the business dictate how my life should be mm, yeah Rather than the business dictates how my life should be. Yeah, I love that. And from what you say, it, it sounds a lot like you are very strict about your schedule. <laughs> yes, I am. So I, uh, my days are scheduled from 7am when my alarm goes all the way until 10pm when my lights go out. And I, so that's the first thing. And the second thing is I'm very strict about how I spend each day. So if it's helpful, I'll, I'll talk about it because I know that it's something that's really increased my, my productivity. So I time block my days. So what that means is Monday is my admin and personal development day. I kind of call it my CEO day. So often it looks like two, three hours of reading in the morning, then lunch and a walk, and then two, three hours of learning. I'm always, I always make sure I'm doing at least one course uh, a quarter or a month depending on the length of the course normally a quarter so I, I pick a topic that I want to learn about in each quarter and it's part of my personal development goal and I use reading and a course or, or you know some kind of program to learn more then Tuesdays and Thursdays are my client days so I will be on back-to-back -back zoom meetings on on tuesdays and thursdays and and that just kind of works very very well wednesday is my sales day so i do all my discovery calls on a wednesday and i do anything like sales sequences or maybe working on new programs or anything like that will happen on a wednesday and friday is my marketing day so i do all my marketing activities I do things like uh, schedule all my content for the week on Instagram, all of that on a Friday. So I'm really, really fixed on each day. 
And then, as I said, kind of from 7 a.m. in the morning until 10 p.m., there were various different slots for different things. So I've, I've had my assistant tell me that my calendar gives her anxiety, which I understand. You know, <laughs> some people like to see the free space. For me, actually, that discipline really sets me free. Kind of waking up and seeing exactly what I have to do in sort of half an hour increments is, is really helpful. And I know it's not right for everyone, but for me, it's that, that, that discipline really allows me to um, be very productive be very strict as I said with kind of my working hours uh, know what I can or can't get done and, and and that gives me a sense of ease I guess in in terms of how my working day and how my business runs I love that thanks for sharing that in more detail I especially love how you start into the week I think uh, that would definitely be something I enjoy too I I have to be honest like I still struggle to work less than the eight hours i feel like it's it's still programmed into me and you know in the end always the reading i, I don't make time for the reading or for the learning as much as i'd love to so you say you you work six hours from 10 a.m to 5 p.m can you maybe share how you manage to do that because you also mm. said it increases your productivity yeah so i think a couple of things one is i have help i have help both at home and in my business and i think that's really important so i have a housekeeper so there's lots of things in the home that i don't have to do and i have a an assistant who picks up the administrative tasks that maybe I as, as the, the CEO shouldn't be doing. And I think it's really important to admit that as a starting point, because it's very easy for someone to look at the way that I'm running my business or the way that I run my life and, and model that or want to be like that. And they might be in a different situation. I also don't have children, which I think probably, probably helps as well. So I think that that's important to, to note. I think I'm very ruthless in my prioritization. So I'm really clear on what's the one thing that I need to do today that will move the needle or what's the one thing that I need to do today that will make all the other things redundant. So I'm very, I plan out my weeks and the tasks associated in that week to make sure that I'm really not spending any time on what I'd consider busy work. And that extends to what I give my assistant. My assistant doesn't just do all the things I don't want to do. She's also working on things that make a difference to my business. So she might be researching events that I can speak at, or she might be sending clients certain things. So she's not just I think there can be a tendency to delegate just oh I hate doing social media so I'm going to delegate the social media to my assistant well that's only worthwhile if social media is worthwhile for you to be doing in your business so I think that that's kind of really important I think also the the blocks i.e like you know saying something's going to take me half an hour and sort of forcing myself to do that task in half an hour has been really good training in terms of being more productive because if you give yourself two hours to do thing something then it'll probably take two hours. Whereas if you give yourself an hour to do it, it'll take an hour. So when I started, I actually would estimate how long I thought it would take me to do something and then challenge myself to do it 15 minutes quicker. And that's how I sort of started to get better, if you will, and more efficient about the tasks that I'm doing. And then I think I should have maybe said this when I was talking about my team, but I also have systems in place. So partly uh, we talked earlier about 
kind of what I help my clients to do and I help them to create scalable systems. And I've done that in my own business too. So a lot of what I do is automated. My clients book themselves into my calendar. I get my clients to fill out a monthly retrospective where they tell me about how their month has gone and we look forward to the upcoming month. That's all automated. It's sent automatically. It's received, if you will, automatically saved to a particular folder. All of that is automated. So I really work very hard to make sure that where someone doesn't need to touch something or where something doesn't need to be done, that it's not being done, if you will. (laughs) And the other thing that I do is I very much work within my zone of genius. So I very much work on things that only I can do and that I'm very good at. And I find that when you're working in that zone of genius like that, things are, I don't want to say easy, but I kind of do want to say easy. They come very naturally. They flow. Important to really focus on on spending as much time as you can on the things that you really love and that, that come to you really really easily, and that helps me to be much more efficient with my time because it's stuff that I love doing and I can do really quickly. What is your zone of genius then? So, what's my zone of genius? So, I in in a kind of global sense, I tend to say it's finding clarity in the chaos. I have to be honest, I'm much better doing this for other people's business and other people's lives than I am my own, which is why I have my own support network to help me do it in my own business and in my own life. But I'm very good at looking at the bigger picture and looking at where someone wants to go and looking through the mess and the chaos that often exists when you're trying to figure out the best next step for your business and putting that into a presentable strategy if you will and then breaking that down into action points so that you know how you get from a to where you want to be which is b love that and i think it's it's so true like for your own business a lot of stuff is hard for yourself like because you're you're just in the forest and and you can't see or you're you can't you only can see the trees and not the whole forest right yeah like, definitely like yeah Absolutely. Yeah, no, you can't see the wood for the trees. Absolutely. It's, it's, it, I think it's much harder to do it in your own business. And, and honestly, that's why I think having mentors or strategists or coaches or therapists or just a great entrepreneurial hype squad and support network is just so important. I think when you're building a business or, or starting a business, just having those sounding boards and having someone who can ask the right question whether they're you know just a friend or someone you pay is just so crucial because it is so hard to see the wood from the trees when you're actually in it yeah do you do you personally have a business coach or strategist Mm. Mm. absolutely yeah so i have i so i do two things i always have a a business coach or strategist that i'm working on if you will, the bigger picture, you know, where I want to go bigger picture. And then as I alluded to earlier, I every quarter pick a topic that I think I need to know more about or that my business needs. And I will sign up to some kind of program, normally a talk program, if that makes sense, rather than an online program, where I'm then guided, you know, by a coach or or by an expert in, let's say, marketing or sales or whatever it might be. So I, 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 I do both. Cool. Yeah, I also do have a business coach and I think it's it's so important to yeah, work on the right things and yeah, as you said, the he asks me the the right questions and 
make sure that I don't follow some random goals that I feel like they maybe sound good, but they're actually not, not that meaningful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you, you hit the nail on the head. You talked about asking the right questions. And I, I think that's that's the most important thing. I think we're all able to figure these things out, whatever these things might be for, for each of us. But having someone who can ask some good open-ended questions that allow you to stop and to think and to ascertain whether it's the right thing for you is just so important both in business and in life yeah I totally agree it also goes to what Einstein says right if he has an hour he'd spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem which in our case is is like framing the right question and then five minutes on the solution I love that. I love that quote. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. And actually, I, I would extend that same thing to kind of strategy as well. Like, it's easy to get really bogged down by the execution and not for a second suggesting the execution isn't important. But if you get the strategy and the planning bit down first, and, and you spend most of your time there, the execution becomes quite easy or easier. Yeah, it's just clear what you're what you're doing. It's not you're running around mindlessly and and doing busy work, as you also mm, say. say. Mm. Yeah, so maybe it like you have a lot of clients. So so, can you maybe share a mistake you see a lot, or even one that you did with your business as well? Mm, nice question. Can I share a mistake? I think the biggest mistake that I see, and I've definitely been guilty of it too, is this idea of trying to do it all sort of in combination with shiny object syndrome. So it's getting excited about that new offer, that new marketing technique, that new this, that new that and thinking that you've got to be doing it all and the two in combination can lead to a very clunky and very complicated business and business model whereas i'm a big believer in sort of looking inward and by looking inward in this instance i mean looking at the data looking at what truly works in your business and what doesn't work in, the, in your business and thinking about doubling down on the things that do work and ditching the things that don't work rather than kind of i've got to do all these things i've got to offer all these options i've got to be on these seven social media platforms <laughs> it's this idea that we kind of have to do it all and we've got to cover all of our bases and have offers for all these different people and and that is a exhausting I mean, even just saying it out loud is, is exhausting me. And, and secondly, I, I, I don't personally believe and have evidence, you know, both in, as I said, in my own business and my clients, that, that leads to building a, a successful and scalable business and the freedom and flexibility that can come with that. Because if you get tied to doing all of the things, you end up sort of tied to your laptop and your desk as well. Do you have an example where maybe you thought, yeah, I have to do this thing. This is going to transform my business. And you, you tried it. And then afterwards, looking at the data, you realized this was total nonsense. This doesn't work. So I actually do. And I'm going to be really open, transparent, and I guess a little bit vulnerable in that I think I'm sort of living this right now because I last year i looked at how i wanted to scale my business and i decided that the best way to scale my business was passive income and before i tell this story i think it's really important to to say that i do think passive income is a great way to scale a business and i this is in no way a reflection on on launching a passive income stream but more of a reflection on me and what i want from my life and so i signed up to a course and hired a coach all to kind of help me deliver a passive income stream 
And in the end, I actually ended up launching a, I guess I'm going to call it a semi-passive income stream. I ended up launching a, a group program that elements of it are, are passive and ele elements of it aren't. And I have just done my Q3 retrospective and I'm, I'm starting to plan Q4 and indeed my 2021. And when I looked at my numbers and when I looked at my data, it is quite, quite clear to me that the easier parts of my business the bits of my business that bring in the most money are actually my high-end one-to-one clients and so i've been so so focused on growing this sort of lower cost slightly more passive income thinking that was going to make all the difference when actually possibly had i spent a little bit more time kind of cultivating these one-to-one -one clients and thinking about how i structured my business as a result I might be in a slightly different place this year. And so it's, it's as I said, I, I'm, I'm not going to share a learning from it because I think I'm still very much in the learning, but it's a reminder that even I, who sort of teach about kind of looking at your data and making decisions based on that, can get distracted, if you will, by an idea of something versus what your actual business is, is telling you. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I. I think it's great to share also work in progress and mm -hmm. and yeah also to see that that even you as a business strategist that this just happens like it's uh we we have this idea of something and then once we we are on it maybe it's not as we thought it would be yeah no absolutely absolutely and i think it leads on to a really pertinent conversation about i guess sunk cost bias it would be very easy for me to ignore the data right now and be like i spent x amount of money on this course and then spent all this time and my team spent all this time building out this idea so i'm just going to keep doing it whereas what i'm doing right now and as i said i've not yet made a decision so i can't share that but what i'm doing right now is is trying to remove the emotion from it remove the time and the money that i've spent on it and think about what's truly right for me and what's right for my business. I've listened to a podcast lately that she talked about, for her it was a different reason, but she also felt like, yeah, you know, the way to grow is kind of going from one-on-one to offering group programs and, and then uh, online courses. And for her, she just noticed that she doesn't really enjoy doing it. And so then she went back to one-on-one. So mm. it's also interesting because you feel like this is kind of the definition of success and the way to scale a business and that's how you're supposed to do it and then you're like well maybe not for me yeah yeah and i think you know what success means to us or what happiness means to us is hugely crucial and it's also a great reminder you know for both of us and and for anyone listening that there's not one way to scale a business so you know i recognize that you tap out of you know if you do something where you're working one-on-one -on -one, i recognize it's quite easy to tap out of time if you just do things one-to-one -one. so i do understand the idea of, of scalability via group programs or online courses of course i do but there are different ways to deliver that and there are different different ways that you can grow your business. And I think it's so important to remember. I think the other question that I'm certainly asking myself that I would encourage other people to ask is how big do you need or want your business to be? Like, can you get to a really comfortable place where you've got the kind of lifestyle you want and you're serving the kind of people you want and you're having the kind of impact you want, you know, all of the things that you want. But you could do that just working one to one or you could do that just with a course. Or you could do that just with online stuff that you, you know, 
not everyone needs to build a you know a billion dollar business necessarily and it's interesting to actually ask yourself what you want from your life and what you want from your business and build it accordingly and i think i'm sort of going through that process myself as well right now thanks for sharing such such important questions like going back to asking the right questions uh, mm. yeah how, how big does your business need to be um how how big does your business need to be, uh, Sophie? So um, I don't know if I've necessarily decided, but I'm increasingly realizing that, you know, I have at the back of my notebook, these sort of financial projections. And it was this idea that I was going to double year on year and just about to hit next month, the, the second year of my business. And I've very much been able to do that. And then as I look at the kind of the projections for next year and the year after, I'm thinking, do I need to double again, like twice? You know, do I really need a, a million, you know, for me pounds, I'm in the UK, but a million pound business, like what, you know, what would that mean for me? So I haven't quite come to the answer yet, but it seems quite clear to me that, I, that lifestyle design piece that we've sort of talked about is actually more important to me than the size. And by size, I'm going to talk revenue just because I think that's unfortunately maybe how everyone measures it, that, you know, than the size of my business. And if I work backwards from the type of lifestyle I want and the kind of things that I want to do long term, it probably isn't a, a million pound business. And that's okay. And I think the idea of a lifestyle business gets quite a bad rap, but I think there's a lot to be said about having a very successful lifestyle business that as I said earlier where your business is fueling and is part of your life rather than running your life there's yeah. a really brilliant book uh I think it's called a company of one or the company of oh, one, yes. something like that yeah and he I talks a lot about one. this yeah he talks a lot about this yeah I'm gonna link it in the show notes so mm. people can find it but I'm also a big fan of this one yeah thanks for mentioning that one not at all so why actually does the lifestyle business get a bad rep? Like, do you know why that is? Because I also feel like I have like problems, like, you know, even talking about lifestyle and lifestyle business. Yeah, I think that it definitely comes from the startup world, right? That kind of startup VC world where everyone's trying to get the next kind of Facebook or Uber or Airbnb and that kind of the idea of a unicorn business and a, you know, billion dollar valuation and all of these things. And so I think that's, that has been the backdrop of entrepreneurship for probably the past 20 years and so what you see is you see you see these people striving to raise money or get traction or grow in such a way that they can kind of make those kinds of numbers and and we get slightly desensitized to these numbers when there's yet another company that's reached a billion dollar valuation and you know, and all the things that you might read about, you know, if you follow entrepreneurial news. And so I think as, as a result, that has become the holy grail, or it feels like that's become the holy grail. And so this idea of having a business that maybe turns over more like multiple six figures that gives you and, and possibly your family a really lovely life is sort of like, oh, it's almost like that's not a real business, which of course is, is not true at all. And I wouldn't want anyone thinking that, but there is this idea that kind of the, the holy grail, the place that we want to reach is this, you know, million dollars or billion dollars and kind of push. And, and so I think that for me, that's kind of where this, um, 
attitude comes from and why you know when you talk about a lifestyle business i know this is really short, um really a thing when i was running my my e-commerce business that you know i was amongst other startup founders and it was like no one wanted to have a lifestyle business everyone wanted to kind of have this this big thing um and so yeah it's definitely had you know it, it definitely got a bit of a bad rap i think yeah and maybe it's also for me kind of when i first started to get to know more lifestyle business owners i felt like they would put themselves first mm, versus mm. you know the business could be this big thing and have like more impact and solve this big problem and reach more people if they wouldn't slow it down or whatever so i thought this was negative at first mm -hmm. but now i come to see well, I mean, this business is nothing without the person. Um, yeah, I mean, it depends on the business, right? But of course. often yeah. without the founder, like, you know, nourishing it and and growing it, then of course it matters what, what the founder's motivation is and goals and needs. So, um, yeah, but it felt like, oh, you're slowing it down if you're just building a lifestyle business kind mm -hmm. of. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've definitely, I've, I've definitely kind of felt or seen the same thing. I think we also have to ask ourselves. It comes back to some of these questions that, that we're sort of exploring. We have to ask ourselves what we want. You know, I'm increasingly, and it's part of the reason that said I exited my first business and have built this business, and, and now even with this business, I'm, I'm kind of going through these same, the same thought pattern about sort of what the next step looks like. I want a life if that makes sense i don't want to be chained to my desk I, and, and that doesn't mean by the way you know i i have clients who who turn over seven figures and also have a life and a very good one at that you know in terms of a work-life balance although I, I don't massively like that term but i think that and, and i do think it's possible but i think it's about asking yourself what you need and and, and without sounding too morbid you know when you're, you're sitting on your deathbed and you're looking back what are the things that you're going to wish you had more time for or wish you could have done more of or whatever that might be and and, and it comes back to kind of this this idea of of creating a life that, that you're really happy with and, and your business being a part of that rather than the only part or it taking over from everything else yeah i love that so i know you are a reader and an avid learner of life and business. So do you have like a resource, a course or a book you can recommend to people who are like, yes, I want to get more into this lifestyle design and figuring out what I want? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the person who talked about lifestyle design first, I think was Tim Ferriss in his four hour work week. So I think that's a really great place to start. And it definitely sort of revolutionized the way that I both built my e-commerce business and then, you know, have gone on to build this business in terms of looking at how you can use automation and you look at use people to make your business work for you. And I think he he talks, you know, typical Tim Ferriss in terms of kind of experimental, he talks about kind of running these mini experiments to, to understand now what you want from your life. So he talks about, for example, retirement, not waiting until you, you know, if you said you're always going to sell the world, you know, when you retire, why wait till 60? Why not find a way to take off six weeks and go sailing? Because it might turn out you hate sailing and you've waited <laughs> all of your life to get to 60 to do this sailing trip. And I think that really, I read it a, a while ago, probably not quite when it came out, but, but not long after. And it really changed the way that I viewed career and, and, and viewed work. And, and I used to think this idea of kind of, you know, uh, 
live to work was sort of as a sort of a bit of a type a I was like yes you know live to work my my work defines me even when I was employed and now I'm increasingly I'm increasingly realizing that actually you know I work to live or, or that there's more of a balance there that that you know it's all part of a, a bigger thing and so yeah Tim Ferriss is definitely a good place to, to start when it when it comes to sort of that lifestyle design and, and in all senses of the word not just in terms of building a business yeah I will definitely link it to the ones if if somebody still hasn't heard about it yes <laughs> which <laughs> uh, is almost impossible but it yeah it's definitely also had a big impact on me even though somehow I always felt like I like working I don't want to only work four hours a week <laughs> but I think that's also never been Tim Ferriss main point right Agreed. because he, yeah. he also works more than four hours a week yeah absolutely it's, it's actually more about being clever with the time that you use I think you know earlier we talked about how I work a six-hour day I do every hour of that six hour day lights me up. So I would actually happily work an eight hour day or a 10 hour day. I choose not to because there are other things that I'm looking to do in my life and that are important to me. But the idea is actually that you're to um, link back to what we were talking about earlier, that you're working in your zone of genius, that you're doing things that you like to kind of link to the Tim Ferriss thing, that you're automating things that can be automated or delegating things that can be delegated. And that, you know, however much or little you work, that it works for you and that's efficient and effective. I think that's the most important point. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a great way to wrap up. My last question is, what do you associate with a joypreneur? What do I associate with a joypreneur? I associate freedom and flexibility. So the freedom and flexibility to work when you want, where you want, with the people you want to get, choose what you get paid for that work and really just have that freedom and flexibility to build life in a business on your own terms. Love it. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining me on the podcast, Sophie. Thank you so much for having me, Melanie. Thank you so much for listening to the Joypreneur podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And I hope you feel encouraged to explore and that you find joy, profit and purpose in your life. If you want to find more clarity and choose the path that suits you, head over to melaniekovac.com slash quiz and find out what type of entrepreneur you are.